Normally, we like to start out the podcast episode with some cool facts, a joke or two, and then have some catchy intro music come in and get our listeners pumped and ready to listen and learn about what subject we've selected. This subject is a little off path in what we normally get into this month. And because of that, we are doing things a little differently. Before we go on, I want you all to know we are talking about mental health and suicide. These are hard subjects and can be triggering to many. The following episode you are about to listen to are stories from those who have sought out mental health resources in the military. They are active duty members who have decided to come forward and share their experiences with the community. I'm MC2 Alexa Trafton, and I welcome you to this special episode of Ears Adrift. If you've been in the Navy for any amount of time at all, you've seen the general military trainings, also known as GMTs. It doesn't matter if you're in boot camp, at your first, second, or third command. I've sat through more GMTs than I can actually count. We get the training annually or semi-annually, and every time we are presented with resources, and we know or should know where to find ways to get help, especially for mental health but it can be a challenge to even come forward and ask for help in the first place. I got to interview two Navy chiefs doing different things to help fight the same problem, the stigma behind mental health and seeking help. In the past six years, the military has seen its highest rates of suicide in its recorded history. It is considered to be the second leading cause of death among veterans and active duty members. And that is an alarming variable to hear, especially if you're one that wears the uniform. Uh, so when I first joined... Um, this is Chief Navy Career Counselor Grant Konbalanov, a digital strategist for the Office of Chief of Naval Information. Very small crew, very tight-knit crew. Everyone kind of looked out for each other. So there's really never any, I guess, like negative you know, thoughts or anything like that to, to go get help. It was like, hey, if you need to get help, you go see the one corpsman that we have on the ship and, you know, and you talk to him, so. There are a number of experiences that we have in the Navy and outside of the Navy that can lead us into situations where we may need to look into using the mental health resources available to us. Making the choice to look for assistance with mental health and using mental health resources is never an easy one. So there are a couple of things, um, Coming from my first and second command, I was doing back-to-back sea duty, back-to-back deployments. Um, One of the deployments was a little bit different, and I noticed that I started, I guess like having these mental health issues to where, you know, I would have reoccurring dreams or I'd have anxiety or, you know, things of that nature. And I didn't want to see it, but, you know, I kind of just try to, put it in the back of my mind, be like, it's going to go away on its own. It'll get better. But it didn't. And it wasn't until, um, you know, my girlfriend, then fiance, then wife uh, at that time came in and was like, look, look, like you, you need to go get help. This stuff isn't going to go away on its own. The biggest question that most of us have when seeking mental help is, will it come back and affect our careers negatively? Will we lose our clearance? Will we no longer be able to do our job? 
These are just a few of the things that can run through someone's mind as they look towards making that first step into getting help for themselves. Um, and that's what I did. I, I went up there after I told my division. Um, I went up to mental health and I pretty much told them absolutely everything. And I was terrified that I was gonna get kicked out of the Navy because at that point I've been in for like, that was 2012, so four years. Um, I just re-enlisted and I was like, well, I'm gonna come here and get kicked out of the Navy and lose my secret clearance and there goes all that. You know, none of that happened. That was eight years ago and I'm still in and I picked up rank. And that is an important distinction. Getting help did not affect Chief Konbalanov's career negatively. And I want to be upfront about the fact that my entire chain of command was wildly supportive of me. This is Chief Boatswain's mate, Jason Thompson, out of Amphibious Construction Battalion 1 out in Coronado, California. I was in treatment for two consecutive months. I received no negative feedback uh, about that. I was welcomed back into the command uh, with open arms, with a clear path uh, on how to manage the mental health aspects of my personal life and my life in uniform, and then uh, you know, um, a graduated plan to get back up to full speed. Chief Thompson developed an issue as a young sailor, which was spending all of his time on sea duty whenever possible. And this was helpful to me because I could keep the uniform on 24 hours a day, so to speak. I didn't have to address the gaping hole um, that I had within me, that I had had these suicidal thoughts, that I had never directly addressed the issues that led to those suicidal thoughts. So that was on me. I had to take ownership of that, and I never did because I never had to take the uniform off. I could just go through the pay grades and be happy. I loved collecting the praise for doing a good job. By and large, the military is a meritocracy. You get what you earn. And with a young MC2 or MC1 Thompson at the time, continually working and not giving himself room to breathe, he was successful, but it was at a cost. It allowed me to develop a personality as Petty Officer Thompson and not just simply Jason, because I didn't know how to simply be Jason. I could be a Petty Officer all day long, and that was great. When he finally got to instructor duty after 12 years in, he could go home every night and take off the uniform. He finally had time to figure out who he was after not knowing for so long. So in doing so, um, I fell into a very deep depression, uh, which led to a series of terrible, terrible choices on my part, and I had to take ownership of those things. I went through a terrible breakup that was sudden and abrupt. I did not make chief again, and those are my reasons. Um, and so I watched my life spiral out of control. When you add alcohol to already pre-existing suicidal thoughts, things just continue to go downhill and get worse. His productivity at work started to slip with time. He ended up UA for an entire day while he was supposed to be on duty. The person he was supposed to relieve had no choice but to inform the chain of command at that point. Both of these things contributed to the chief's mess holding a professional development board for him. They grilled Chief Thompson, MC1 at the time, for the better part of 45 minutes. And eventually it got to the point where I knew that I had to be completely honest with them. Otherwise, I wasn't going to be able to go home. The plan was to go in, say whatever I had to say to these seven members of the mess, and then go home and jump off the bridge. And that was going to be a wrap. Fortunately, those involved with the board were seeing right through the screen 
and knew that Thompson was hiding something. They finally got him to admit he was suicidal and had a plan. So from there, I took a trip down to Bethesda Naval Medical Hospital, um, checked into the mental health wing there, and I was there for four weeks. It was the first time in his life that he had stripped away the shield that he had created and was just Jason. It allowed him to have responsibilities just to himself and to focus on getting to the bottom of his issues. After 28 days in Bethesda, he was transferred to another treatment center in Portland, Oregon, where he continued individual therapy, group therapy, and Alcoholics Anonymous. And when I left, after two months of inpatient treatment, I felt a relief in my soul that was a feeling that I never had before. And I didn't have to hide behind my pay grade or my uniform or a sort of false bravado, um, a sort of machismo that I had created for myself. He was able to start having deep and meaningful conversations with others about his problems and what he had gone through moving forward. I maintained my therapy appointments. To this day, I still go to therapy. Um, I'm still on medications and I wanna I want to be clear about a couple things. The medications I'm on are not disqualifying factors for service, clearly. The fact that I had these emotions and I went through therapy, not a disqualifying factor for service. Um, I've talked to a lot of junior sailors who say they don't want the fact that they went to therapy to be in their record, and I cannot disagree with that anymore. Those things affect us when we take the uniform off, and that's what the VA mental health clinic is for. We need to document these things. We need to include these things because this is important stuff. I'll say it again, louder for the people in the back. Both chiefs seeking help for different reasons before they became chiefs did not have their careers negatively impacted. I wanted to restate this because it is important. Being worried about how seeking mental health resources will affect your career can be one of the biggest reasons why sailors don't go in the first place. We are far more than just the uniform that we wear. There are times we accidentally let that go to the wayside between what we have on our plate as an individual, a sailor, a leader, and a family member. But we have to remember the most important thing that keeps us functioning as a human being former Secretary of Defense and retired General Jim Mattis often talked about the most important six inches on the battlefield are the six inches between your ears, and that we have to engage our minds before we engage our weapons. This also means that we have to break stigmas. Working to overcome the stigma behind seeking mental health resources is absolutely no easy task because it does come in various forms. It can be a very daunting thing to come forward and say, I need mental health treatment, if that's what you need. Because it can go against every instinct that we have for self-reliance. And that's okay, that's human nature, but it doesn't need to stop you from getting the help that you need to be able to continue forward. We cannot be afraid to let our junior sailors know, or even our senior sailors, that yes, if you need therapy, you should go get it, and you should have it documented in your medical record because that medical record is going to be absolutely vital to our success when, once the uniform comes off. There are a number of ways to help change the stigma at small and larger levels. Seeking help shouldn't be a thing that's frowned upon, made fun of, and a reason why you get treated as less of a person. We need to start talking about it and talking about it honestly. There should be nothing that I know that a third class 
doesn't know, you know, or an E1 or E2 don't know. And for me, it's like, if I go out there and I speak about it, that should, you know, motivate that brand new junior sailor to go out there and speak about it. Or come to me about their problems because they're like, oh, hey, you know, like, Chief's out here and he's open and he's talking about the issues that he went through. I could come to him. And with that, I'm hoping that, you know, other leadership out there also opens up and is like, hey, you know, this is what we went through. And I feel like the more that that conversation takes place, the more people speak about it, the less of a stigma that it's going to have, like, you know, mental health is this, like, horrible black cloud that, you know, the Navy has over it. Um, because, you know, it, it, it's to me, it's no different than, like, over the weekend when you have a Liberty Brief or over a long holiday, you have a Liberty Brief and you talk about, like, hey, don't drink and drive, don't get hurt, don't do anything stupid, you know, don't don't pour gas on a, you know, on a grill while you're grilling or something like that. Mental health should be right in there because, you know, it's it's normal. BMC Thompson agrees, and he said this. I think it's important for people who are willing to, to stand in front of a group of their peers, the sailors they lead, and be as open with their mental health struggles. And, but more importantly, their ability to seek treatment and survive and get better while still maintaining a military presence and lifestyle. These two chiefs on opposite coasts are just two of the many sailors who have successfully gotten the resources they needed for mental health, and in doing so, decided to share their stories in order to help others. I would like everyone to take a minute and breathe. Digest the information you just heard here. Take it in and really think about it. Seeking treatment for mental health isn't an end to your career in the military. Yes, it can be scary and the road can seem long, but I can assure you that your friends, your family, your chain of command would all rather receive a phone call from you asking for help than getting a phone call that you took your life. The resources available to all military members are plentiful and available to you at all times of day or night. Just to name a few, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, Military One Source, your chaplain, and your chain of command. If you're not comfortable with reaching out to your chain of command right away, talk to someone that you trust. I say this because that's actually what I ended up doing. I tried to commit suicide almost two years ago in October of 2018. And before doing so, I sent a message out to a close friend. Because she received that message, she called me immediately. And because of the fact that she called, I'm still alive today. There are people absolutely willing to pick up the phone. I promise. And I promise you that there is hope. Even when your brain is telling you that there isn't, it's there, it exists. I hope this episode sheds some more light on an extremely important subject that we are dealing with every day in the military. And I hope it helped someone. That's it for this episode of Ears Adrift. Keep us on your radar and keep posted for new episodes each month. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast outlets, our Facebook page, or on our website at www.ah.mil. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, MC2 Alexa Trafton.